0: Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Mark 8, verses 14 to 21, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 8, verses 14 to 21. And do you not remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. This is the word of the Lord. Let us notice the solemn warning which our Lord gives to his disciples. At the beginning of this passage he says, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. We are not left to conjecture the meaning of this warning. This is made clear by the parallel passage in Matthew's Gospel. We read there that Jesus did not mean the leaven of bread, but the leaven of doctrine. The self-righteousness and formalism of the Pharisees, the worldliness and skepticism of the couriers of Herod, were the object of our Lord's caution. Against both, he bids his disciples be on their guard. Such warnings are of deep importance. It would be well for the Church of Christ if they had been more remembered. The assaults of persecution from without have never done half so much harm to the Church as the rise of false doctrines within. False prophets and false teachers within the camp have done far more mischief to Christendom than in all the bloody persecutions of the emperors of Rome. The sword of the foe has never done such damage to the cause of truth as the tongue and the pen. The doctrines which our Lord specifies are precisely those which have always been found to inflict most injury on the cause of Christianity. Formalism on the one hand, and scepticism on the other, have been chronic diseases in the professing Church of Christ. In every age, multitudes of Christians have been infected by them. In every age men need to watch against them and be on their guard. The expression used by our Lord in speaking of false doctrine is singularly forceful and appropriate. He calls it leaven. No word more suitable could have been employed. It exactly describes the small beginnings of false doctrine, the subtle, quiet way in which it insensibly persuades a man's religion the deadly power with which it changes the whole character of his Christianity. Here, in fact, lies the great danger of false doctrine. If it approached us under its true colors, it would do little harm. The great secret of its success is its subtlety and likeness to truth. Every error in religion has been said to be a truth abused. Let us often examine ourselves whether we be in the faith and beware of leaven. Let us no more trifle with a little false doctrine than we would trifle with a little immorality or a little lie. Once admit it into our hearts, and we never know how far it may lead us astray. The beginning of departure from pure truth is like letting out of waters, first a drop and at last a torrent. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Galatians 5, nine. Let us notice the dull understanding of the disciples when our Lord gave the warning of this passage. They thought that the leaven of which he spoke must be the leaven of bread. It never struck them that he was speaking of doctrine. They drew from him a sharp reproof. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? Believers, converted, renewed, as the disciples were, they were still dull of apprehension in spiritual things. Their eyes were still dim, and their perceptions slow in the matters of the kingdom of God. We shall find it useful to ourselves to remember what is here recorded of the disciples. It may help to correct the high thoughts which we are apt to entertain of our own wisdom, and to keep us humble and low-minded. We must not fancy that we know everything as soon as we are converted. Our knowledge, like our graces, is always imperfect, and never so far from perfection as at our first beginning in the service of Christ. There is more ignorance in our hearts than we are all yet aware of. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8 2. Above all, we shall find it useful to remember what is here recorded in dealing with young Christians. We must not expect perfection in a new convert. We must not set him down as graceless and godless and a false professor because at first he sees but half the truth and commits many mistakes. His heart may be right in the sight of God, and yet, like the disciples, he may be very slow of understanding in the things of the Spirit. We must bear with him patiently and not cast him aside. We must give him time to grow in grace and knowledge And his latter end may find him ripe in wisdom, like Peter and John. It is a blessed thought that Jesus, our Master in heaven, despises none of his people. Incredible and blameworthy as their slowness to learn undoubtedly is, his patience never gives way. He goes on teaching them line upon line, precept upon precept. Let us do likewise. Let it be a rule with us never to despise the weakness and dullness of young Christians. Wherever we see a spark of true grace, however dim and mixed with infirmity, let us be helpful and kind. Let us do as we would be done by. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, do we consider doctrine important or inconsequential? Do we have discernment to know the difference between what is true and what is almost true? Are we careful to watch our life and our doctrine? And second, are we patient with those who do not understand and seem to make many mistakes in doctrine? Do we correct with patience? Do we remember that Christ and who knows how many others have had to be patient with us as well?